Today's reading comes from Luke 24, verses 13 through 17. Now the same day, two of them were on their way to the village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. Then he asked them, what is this dispute that you are having with each other as you are walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. Brothers and sisters, the word of the Lord. (laughs) Well, a number of you have been to something called an Emmaus retreat, which is uh, an opportunity to um, spend time with the risen Christ over three days in a retreat setting. And over the years, I've heard many powerful uh, stories about those retreats. And what I thought we might do here uh, for the next four weeks of Easter is just take this beautiful story about the disciples walking on the Emmaus Road and just kind of quietly sit with it and see if we might have our own version of an Emmaus retreat, uh, a chance for you to Refreshing your relationship with the risen Christ. Because whatever you're called to, to do in the world this week, uh, as a Christian, it needs to flow from that place of communion with him. So we'll just take it a little bit by bit, and if you want to, you might go back into the story and uh, meditate on it during the week. Well, it starts in verse uh, 13 by saying, That very day, and so that tells us that we are on Easter morning, where it's the very first event that happens in the life of the church. Jesus has already come out of the tomb, of course. But this is the the first story we have about believers gathering in the life of the church. And think about these two men for a moment. We don't know really that much about who they are. Uh, We know one of them's name is Cleopas. Uh, We don't know the other one's name. So they're not one of the inner 12. They're part of this broader community that uh, has gathered around Jesus. They've been with him, we don't know how long, but perhaps a year or so. Uh, They've heard his teaching. They've seen his miracles. They have heard him talk about the resurrection. He he mentioned that several times. Uh, But this has been a horrific disorienting weekend for them. Because they had thought that the kingdom of God was going to come through Jesus. We don't know exactly what they thought was going to happen, but it didn't look like what happened. They probably thought that he was going to be like other revolutionaries and bring in some kind of a, of a, of a military revolution and set up an alternative kingdom. Instead, the Romans are still in charge. The man that they loved had been executed. They had these vague notions of things Jesus had said about, uh, I'll tear down this temple and raise it up again. And on the third day, I'll rise. They'd heard those things, never really understood what they meant. And perhaps underlying all of it was was a deep fear that now they were connected with a revolutionary and uh, needed to get out of Dodge. And making this even more confusing was some women had gone to the tomb, seen the Lord, uh, or at least been told by an angel that the Lord had risen, and 
that made things even more confusing because they really hadn't expected him to do that. I was thinking, what, what is like this in our spiritual journey? Um, what's happened to these two guys that's like what happens to us? And one word that I, I came up with was deconstruction. They had a faith. They had some kind of a relationship with Jesus. They were disciples. They were believers. They had a vague sense, maybe not a deep sense, of this is what God said he would do. This is how it will work out. This is where it's going. This is where I'm going to be. And all of a sudden, in one weekend, their whole faith was deconstructed. All the things they thought were going to happen didn't happen. And the beliefs that they had had about God no longer seemed to be true. (laughs) Have you ever been in a time like that? You know, I I think it can happen in different ways. It it can happen around faith in in general. There, There are some people who I think are blessed with this ability that they... They're taught the faith when they're a child, a little boy or a little girl, and they never waver from it from 60 years. They're rock solid, rock hard. They die with it. They never doubt. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. A lot of us, though, go through a period of deconstruction. We often pay a lot of money for it. It's called college. (laughs) Or, Or tremendous suffering. Or a mission trip where you walk through a Buddhist graveyard and wonder how they all could be hell if the, in hell if they never heard of Jesus. And you're asking these questions, and how does that work? And you see the beauty of a Hindu's faith, and you wonder, how on earth does that work? I'm very confused here. And then you read a book, and the book says that there's problems with the Bible, and you look at the contradictions, and you didn't know there were problems with the Bible, and oh my goodness, and all this stuff. Most of us go through periods of deconstruction in our faith, kind of a tearing down of what we thought was true. Now, sometimes it's it's more of a specific area. Sometimes, and I know a lot of you are going through this because you tell me, it's about, I thought that the people of God, the community of God, was supposed to act like this way in the world, and by golly, it's not, and it agonizes me, and I'm about ready to throw it all out. Or it might be something very personal, like, well, I, I thought a Christian marriage looked like, looked like this, and now you're in it, it doesn't look like that at all. Or maybe I, I, if, I, if I do all these things as a godly person, uh, there'll be a spouse for me one day, and now it's not working out like that. For me, I I think one of the things that's being deconstructed right now in my life is how I think about the local church. Can't say much more about that. I don't, I'm not even sure what I'm thinking yet. Um, But I just have this sense that the way I was taught to do church in 1984 when I enrolled at Talbot Seminary is, is just not the same way that the church is going to be expressed in 2020 in post-Christian urban America. 
It's kind of unsettling when things you really believe get deconstructed and torn down and disillusioned. It's really, really hard. So I think these two men are kind of in a deconstruction phase. And what we'll find in the weeks ahead, and this, this is, I th- hope this is liberating as well as, I don't mean it to be scary. What we'll find in the weeks ahead is that the faith that they walk into in their future is different than the faith that they had in their past. And that's okay. I want to say that's okay. Maybe even it's better than okay. Maybe that's what's supposed to happen. Well, then we read, and they were talking with each other about all these things as they had, had happened. It's interesting. You can't, when you, when you go to the Holy Land now, anything that's mentioned in the Bible, there's a snack shop around it um, and all sorts of artifacts, and uh, you, can, you can visit it and all that. You can't find Emmaus. I don't know why. Nobody knows where Emmaus was. Uh, it means literally uh, hot springs, uh, but there aren't hot springs near there. So don't know where they were going. But maybe that's not the point. Where they're going is uh, a seven-mile walk, which was kind of hilly at that point. And so it would have taken two or three hours. And and this is what is is so interesting. Jesus is going to show up in a moment. And really what you've got here is the first church service. (laughs) Two goofy guys with terrible theology. And Jesus on a long walk. Now, I don't, I don't know. I was talking about my sense that the church is being deconstructing and emerging again. I don't know what all that means. I have a sense that part of what it means is that the future church is going to look a lot like a long, slow walk with Jesus. There's a sign out near a country church out near the mountains. It's a little church, and you drive by, and it's a big yellow sign that says, Slow Church. <laughs> and I don't think it's an adjective about the people in the church. I think it's a, a, a warning about don't run over these people. It's church time, so go slow. But when I see the sign, what I think of is a slow church where you're kind of on a long walk with Jesus and your friends. Do you have somebody to walk the Emmaus Road with? It's really important in this journey of faith. Really, really important. You know, we used to have something on Sunday nights. I'd love to see this come back again because when you're coming back into a faith journey or into faith community, it's so helpful to have somebody else to kind of walk with a little bit. We used to have a potluck after church on Sunday nights. A couple people have done it for a while and then kind of moved on. If anybody had a desire to start that again, kind of an Emmaus potluck, a place where you could just kind of come after service and just kind of have a bowl of soup and walk for a bit. 
I don't think that would be a good way for us to be hospitable. Now, you know, I also think a slow walk is a great way to work through seasons of spiritual deconstruction and doubt. I, I get discouraged and, and, and even a little upset when I hear stories like this, and I hear them all the time. You know, I, I went to this church growing up, and it was so legalistic and all these rules, and then I found out there are problems with the Bible, and then look at the history of the church and all the dumb things the church has done, and, uh, and uh, by the way, uh, all religions are beautiful, and so I'm out, I'm done, I quit. And if I have a chance, I will say, and I often don't have the chance, if I have a chance, I will say, did you ever think that anyone else in the world had faced the same questions? Did it ever occur to you that of the billion Christians on the planet, one or two may have had a question about the Bible? Did it occur to you to ask someone how they resolved that in their faith journey? Or did you just punt because you had a problem? Most of us will go through these periods of deconstruction. If you go through them by yourself, you will be in deep trouble. One of the Desert Fathers says, he who has himself for a tutor has a fool for a guide. So if you're struggling and you have questions, that's fine. Don't Google the answer. Walk with somebody. And if you're new here, we've got folks who will walk with you. Email me afterwards. I'll walk with you. I'll find someone to walk with you. This journey is not meant to be walked alone. Well, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Now, I just, I, I, I don't know what the Lord's to-do list looked like on the first Easter Sunday morning. <laughs> he could have done a lot of things, right? Right out of the box. Could have showed up at the temple, could have showed up at Rome, could have, I guess, sky writing, you know, I'm risen. You know, he could have done all sorts of these things. So what does he do? The very first thing he does Right after he rises from the dead, <clears throat> with all these things he should attend <coughs> to, sorry, <clears throat> is he hangs out with two guys who are questioning their faith. And I think that is so encouraging. It says that he, he drew near to them. Jesus likes to be with people who are wrestling with their faith. He likes to be with people who have questions. He likes to be with people who are confused. He is drawn towards you when you're asking questions about him. But also remember, he's on a mission too. He wants to change the world. He wants to send the gospel into every corner of the earth. And and isn't this a silly way to start? What kind of strategy is this? If Harvard Business School went about it like this, they'd be out of business in a year. He's going to the lowest common denominator, the most goofed up disciples he could find. He starts with them. First day out, first day out, first day out, spends the whole day with these two no-name guys with goofed up faith. I just find that so encouraging that the most important thing, are, and the first things you do, right, are important. When the president's elected, what's the first thing he does? New coach, what's the 
First thing he does, shaves his head, I guess. They all have shaved heads. You know, the first thing that you do means a lot. The first thing Jesus does, finds two guys who are struggling, spends a whole day with them. And that means that there is nothing more sacred and strategic to our mission and purpose is to hang out and walk with another disciple who's trying to figure out faith. Whatever slow church looks like, it's a lot of that. It's a whole lot of that. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. <laughs> now, it doesn't say they were so worthless they couldn't see that God of the universe was in front of them. It doesn't say that. It says their eyes were kept from recognizing. Jesus, for some reason, didn't let them see that they were with the risen Christ. Why? Don't know. I do know that in medieval theology, there was a name for God called the Deus Abscondius. It means the hidden God. And I don't know about you, but I have as many days on my Emmaus walk (laughs) when Jesus does not reveal himself to me as I do where we'll get towards the end of the story, eyes opening, burning hearts, tears, goosebumps, hallelujahs. I like those better. I'd rather live in the land of the burning heart. I spend more time in the land of why didn't you show up in this prayer time? But I think this gives us comfort and encouragement to know that if you ain't feeling it tonight, and maybe you haven't felt it in a while, it's okay. Feelings are great. I love feelings. I pray for feelings. I enjoy feelings. But sometimes Jesus chooses not to reveal himself to us. And we just keep walking. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with one another as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Again, this is so puzzling. If we just, the Lord is just so beautiful and complex and mysterious. Of course he knows what they're talking about. So why does he come up and say, uh, he almost, you, some of you are too young to remember Columbo. Um, it was this silly little TV series with a, with a detective in a little trench coat, and he would always get his man, but he'd kind of stumble around and ask these questions, and the bad guy wouldn't realize how smart he was until he slipped up and got caught. So Jesus is almost like Columbo here. You know, the risen Lord of the universe comes alongside and just, uh, oh, well, guys, I'm a little confused here. What, what seems to be the problem? What's happened here this weekend? I think the Lord knew what happened here this weekend. Why, why would he do this? What do we learn from that? He wants to engage us. <laughs> he didn't just spell it out and say, here, boom, go do it. He wants conversation with you. He wants to hear about your doubts, your fears, your confusion, your questions. He wants it all. He wants to be in conversation with you. And again, whatever a slow church looks like, 
I think there are conversations that are interrupted by Jesus. I love that picture of prayer. I just love that picture of prayer that you're having, you're wrestling, you're with a friend, you're over coffee, you're in prayer, whatever it is, and you're just, I don't know, I don't know, and what, 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 what? And then all of a sudden there is this presence that comes in. So, what are you talking about here? And all of a sudden there's a third person at the table. Sacred conversations. That's a beautiful part of a slow church. So ending where we began again, just want to go back. If you were in a period of deconstruction, a part of your faith and your spiritual worldview is being torn down. And you might feel disoriented, disillusioned, or scared. It's okay. This is what God does to us to prepare us for a deeper, fresher, reconstructed faith that will carry us where he wants us to go. And the last thing I'll say is, one of the reasons you may not be living out the vision that you felt called to live out is he may have some deconstructing work to do in you first. Be patient. Take the long, slow walk. Let's pray.